Welcome back, everybody. Once again, thank you to everybody who's been supporting us, uh, subscribing, liking, commenting, all that good stuff. We appreciate all the love, and we see everybody who's supporting us. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. Again, it motivates us uh, to just keep going. And, and yeah, guys, but today we got a brand new episode of Cut Talk Radio, and we got a brand new guest, somebody who I think you guys are going to enjoy hearing from quite a bit. But yeah, uh, Pradeep, Dr. Pradeep, can you please introduce yourself to the people? Hey, guys, it's been a pleasure. Um, to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Pradeep. Uh, I call myself a zero dropout. Um, I've been, I'm 37 years old, seen a lot in life. Um, I actually come from a background many of, the, many of your audiences come from. So I'm super, super, super excited to be on the show and thank you very much. For sure, yeah, we're glad to have you again. Um, as uh, Pradeep mentioned, you know, he comes from a working class community, a community that's pretty much crime riddled as, as ours is, you know, so it's good to hear from another perspective of somebody that comes from a similar neighborhood, but just from a different part of the world, you know, but it goes to show how similar experiences can be. But, um, all right, so unfortunately we lost the quote of the day segment, but we were able to catch the video right when Pradeep started to explain the story. Uh, Pradeep started to tell us how his parents immigrated into the UK and that's where the video picks up. All right, guys, enjoy it. Um, so, you know, my mom, a very strong woman, had to smuggle me on the truck when I was six years old with a fake name, then in a fake passport, get to the UK as a war refugee. Um, that was a very uh, enduring journey. And then um, I settled, uh, they gave us housing, social housing in Northwest London, the roughest and toughest uh, social housing there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was used to be the drug manufacturing cap, uh, capital of the capital in London. So surrounded by some very hard people but some very smart street hustlers you know and i was the only kind of asian kid um but you know i was a tough little cookie so <laughs> instead of running away i used to fight back and i gained respect even if i lost some fights i fought back um so that was my early childhood just getting into trouble with the wrong people with the wrong crowd uh, luckily, when I was 15, my uncle visited from Sri Lanka and he's like, hey, kid, you're either going to jail or you're going to die very quickly. Mm. He went to the local kind of um, shop and brought me some sand weights, you know, the old school weights with sand in them. Mm. And I started lifting them, <laughs> fell in love with weightlifting, um, ollie lifting. And I said to myself, hey, it gave me some discipline. But to be honest with you, well, it's it's... It's who you surround yourself with. No one had a career. No one had education. It sounds crazy, but we didn't even know what university was, right? Mm. Or college was. Um, so I dropped out of high school. I didn't understand the value of education. Lifting weights, getting to fights, getting into trouble. And I just kept going, you know, up and down. Um, but I used to work in sales. I used to do customer service at local shops, um, bars and clubs and so forth. And then that was my life from 16 to 21. Luckily, I didn't get into any crime or any legal troubles. Um, but at 21, I'm going to serious fight, um, a gang fight, which someone bottled me over the head, got into a coma for four hours, the wow. massive scar at the head of my back, um, at the back of my head, I should say. And then I was like, hey, 
Uh, I woke up. I, by the way, there's no kind of Hollywood script. I didn't see any God or any any angels or anything <laughs> yeah. of that sort. I woke up and I was like, yeah. yeah I, I was like, what am I doing? My friends were not there from the gang. Yeah. Right? And my family wasn't there. I was just me in the hospital bed with stitches. I'm like, that's it. I need to change my life. And this is where the weightlifting discipline and the ambition kicked in. And I said, you know, you got to find a way. So I made three phone calls. Um, and someone at a local community college, we call it a polytech in the UK, mm-hmm. said, hey, there's a diploma you can do that can give you access to university. It's one year. So I was like, okay, cool. And her name was Janet Hudson, not the singer, <laughs> but a very nice lady. Yeah. And she's like, hey, come on. And I just put my head down mm-hmm. and I studied. And I was like, oh, sh- shit, I-, I can do this. I right. can actually do this. I can actually get good grades, right? And by the way, don't don't get fooled. I get, is I'm not this Asian Indian kid that's very smart, right? I'm not. I grew up in the hood. I have no education. I had to teach myself a lot of things, right? Um, and I'm actually detested my IQ later on. I'm just about average, hmm. but with non-pattern recognition, verbal stuff, awareness, I'm quite high. Yeah. So then I just put my head down and I said I love this stuff. I went against a lot of criticism, a lot of people laughing saying you know i told them i'm going to get to the top right mm. so i went from drop out to 21 with three applications at a local college and then a master's at imperial college london which is like mit i had 13 rejections to get to there then i said i can go all the way to the top then i had 47 rejections then i got a phd became a doctor at oxford university right wow. so i went from drop out and hood to oxford in five years then at oxford i just loved what i was doing you know there were people not from my background, our backgrounds, but the confidence of that journey and the confidence I had of saying, hey, all the rejections make you thicker. I just walked into every room with confidence, asked the questions, turned up everywhere, shook every hand, and mm. I learned how to network there and talk as well differently, dress differently, right. turn up differently, right? Um, and then I realized the systems is messed up actually flawed and i said hey it doesn't take 40 years for me to discover drugs i beat the system now right i went from dropout to oxford right so i told my professors hey i'm gonna i i got i need 300 million for three drugs they're like kid you're 27 no one's asked me this question question right so i said okay i dropped out again of traditional academic career i said to the hell with this so i was dead broke and i can be broke right so I wrote my own fellowships, meaning own scholarships and studentships, and I got into Harvard on a Fulbright scholarship. So I went from dropout to Harvard in seven years. I came to Boston to learn one technique. Then I got another one. I went to a university called Sorbonne in France, Paris. Then I got to another one, a scholarship in Israel. So I learned, but the kids listening, if you can't afford to travel, you can actually apply for scholarships and travel, right? So I got these techniques. I came back to the UK, London. I'm like, hey, professors, look, I'm 28 now. I got the techniques. Can you give me my money? They're like, it doesn't work like this. It takes 30 years. So I learned this is another system. I said, where can I go? So then, Rao, I made 272 phone calls. And this is what I told the kids. Life is a numbers game, a sales game, and a risk game. I made those phone calls. One guy picked up in China. He's like, come to China. So from a dropout to 29, all my friends were struggling for careers after their PhDs. I became associate professor. 
I discovered all those three drugs I aimed in 18 months, uh, not 30 years. So I beat the system again. And then someone came to me because I was 30 by then. And I was like, hey, you're quite smart. Do you want to do some yeah. business, business development? I'm like, all right, let's do business development now. So I went into biotech, which is like the science business world. And I learned business, I learned money, I learned away from the hood, I learned how numbers work, how deals work. I started buying companies. It was crazy. I, they gave me a private jet and a chauffeur. It changed my life in terms of how perception works. You know, I had to pinch my skin, but then I got into work habit. Uh, it saves time. I learned how money works. Mm. Then, you know, and then. <clears throat> wise it was 1.6 billion uh when when the company went to uh um ipo i learned so much and then i got stuck in the pandemic in china right when people were dropping dead left right center i was like and they're like hey you can it's locked down but foreigners you can go to one hotel so one went to this one hotel now i'm street smart and i got some education right so mm. I, I can do both went to this hotel and i was thinking what the hell where's everyone else I was, only, <laughs> I was the only foreigner left and i look around and all these big fat uh you know um chinese men big on their laptops with their cigars i go to them i go hey, sir how are you they're like yeah what what do you want he's like i'm like hey how do you how did you get out of lockdown they're like oh we bribed the system you know we, we we own factories you can do whatever you want in this city I'm like, what kind of factories do you own? Metal, wood, toys and stuff. Now my hustler mentality comes, right? I'm like, how much? Let me see your numbers because I do business development now. Vice president. They're like 400,000 a day. 200% ROI return of investment. I was like, holy crap. I'm in the wrong business. So here, here's the thing, right? This is why I tell the kids, never stop the hustle, right? So in the daytime, I was senior vice president. I was doing all this research and development drug discovery at night to win these guys over for the factory owners. I used to go and learn online e-commerce by typing out Amazon customer reports and translating them for these guys. So one day support, I learned how to do online sales. I started selling toys from China into the UK, made my side hustle. Then I was like, I was still doing the science and VP. Then I came back to the UK and I said to my professors and everyone in science world, can I have the same job? They're like, no, you're too young now and overqualified. I was like, okay, to the hell with this. I dropped out of all career, everything, and I just ran my own business. So I started launching my own brands. By the way, no ego. Just because you went to Oxford and Harvard and all this stuff, I left all that world behind and I went into business. So guys, you every time you pivot in careers or corporate or go to education, you have to understand there's the ego and there's the identity. You have to leave both and go with your gut and where your talent wants to go, right? So for me, then it was to make financial freedom and money uh, to help my family and also do what I love. Um, so I started, uh, three years ago, I started my business. We started launching brands online. We started buying companies. Uh, we're doing very well. And my real passion is to have time um, to go on these talk shows and these podcasts and tell people, hey, I'm just a kid from the hood, from the village, a bald-headed, bearded guy with not much talent, but I dropped out of four different things. I went to Harvard. I went to Oxford. I discovered drugs. 
Yeah. I, I was a senior vice president in charge of millions and billions. And then I'm starting my own company again. Um, so that's my story. I had a lot of wisdom, uh, uh, insights into life and different angles. And I'm just here to help the kids and help anyone that wants to, you know, challenge the system and do something big. Right. Yeah. And I mean, oof. Damn, Sorry, there's good. a lot there, but no, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. Go, go all in. Yeah. No. No. It's perfect. I mean, uh, first of all, thanks for sharing that, cause I mean, it's a pretty inspirational story, and I'm sure a lot of people are probably right now like, what? Like, how is that possible? You know? But that's the thing. It's like that's a that mindset is what ma- makes it impossible is thinking that it's impossible you know it's like if you think it's impossible then well that's already an obstacle you got to get over in the first place you got to remove that obstacle first like well not nah, anything is possible and then once you have that you know and that that's what you meant that's what you call the hustler mentality you know and i think that's a good way to say it you know because it's like survival under any circumstance you know like you said and, and i like and i want to go back through it all but one of the things that stood out to me the most was when you said like, oh, you went from Harvard, from Oxford to being like, oh, I'm okay going back to broke. Like, yeah, yeah. because because it's like, well, when, you, when you're humble in that way, you, you don't learn, in some sense, you don't learn, your, your survival isn't based off how much money you have. You know, it's like whatever the m- amount of money is like, I'll survive because I survived with nothing already. So since I've already been comfortable living with nothing, then then there's nothing that you can, there's no amount of money that you can take from me that would make me miserable because the money doesn't make me happy to begin with. So it's like, you know, and I think that's an interesting perspective to, well, to it, hear. It's important, it's important. There's a couple of points here. Number one, money cannot buy love or family, but everything else it can help do so much. So money's a useful tool. I think the system has told people like us, money is not everything. Money does a lot. It's a useful tool. What I've learned is that money doesn't change someone it accelerates or exacerbates their personality so if you're a gambler you gamble more if you're a womanizer you womanize more if you're a druggie you drug more but if you're kind and loving and sharing you do that more and it gives you freedom to do those things right Mm -hmm. so i think money is very important and don't people from our background should to learn that it is something that can be used very effectively to do something effective right Right. The second thing is coming back to your point, you got to understand that when I was at that community college and one of my lecturers, a really nice guy, he said to me, how the hell are you going to get to Oxford? You, right? I said, well, I'll take the train from Paddington station. <laughs> so literally guys, right? I had no family or anyone that went to Oxford, even education, so forth. So literally I took myself from my environment to Oxford, right? And I said hi to everyone, shook their hands, went into the environment, went into the colleges. And I physically said to my head, uh, I saw it with my eyes, my mantras, my affirmation. I'm here. I've done it. I'm going to do it. And I went every summer on a day trip. So, And then guess what? When I was in Oxford, all the people that were richer than me or poorer than me or we were at this Oxford level, right? said hey don't go to harvard because there's a lot of americans that work hard chinese came in you're just going to have not a european kind of holidays i'm like to the hell with this again i don't know anyone so i saved my money took the plane went to a hostel went to boston went around harvard went around conferences i took myself in that environment and when i started my business by the way guys i'm going to tell you the truth 
When I saw I had no one in London, my family couldn't give me any network. I turned up to every free social networking event. I went to the Rolls Royce dealer. I went into banks. I went to see lawyers for free, bankers for free. I went into chauffeur services for free, private jet services for free, because I wanted my mentality to change up here. If I saw it and I had a mantra affirmation, I'd done it. And it's very hard to say that because people think you're delusional, but you got to be delusional if you don't come from a background where you can't see it. You know, I just saw hustlers and street dices and people just talking differently. I had to get out of that environment. And, you know, perception is everything. So your mind has to see it. So get out there. Even if you can't afford it, drive, take the bus, go to a nicer part of town and just see it and say, mm -hmm. hey, there's no difference and I can do this as well. Yeah, I think seeing it is, is a big part of that. I think it's an underrated part of it too because like my experience of that, what you say, you know, of going to places where you probably wouldn't have been normally, you know, it was like I got a job, I remember being a delivery driver, you know, and it's like, well, I'm this pro kid that's coming from the hood. Like, you know, I do my thing and then I go to work and then like the work route is like driving through these nice fancy neighborhoods with big two-story, three-story houses that look like castles. And it's like, that was my... That that changed my mentality on life as well. Like in the way that you mentioned, it's like, well, it gives yeah. it gives you that that insight of like, well, there's a whole other side of life that I might not even be aware of, you know. So start expanding your horizons in some sense, you know. Start looking out more because I think. And then you also said something that I agree with. It's something that is like fundamental to the message here on the podcast and to the brand is, you know, make change. Like be the change. You know, do what people confuse is wealth and, and greed, you know, it's like, well, you need wealth to some sense if you want to do anything because how, you know, it's all money is, is a resource. And, and just like, you know, back in the days when people traded salt for rice or rice, you know, it's just a resource. It's just something that holds value. It's an easy way to determine your ambition by saying, Oh, well, I want to build so much wealth because I need to be able to have these opportunities available if I want to create the resources and the opportunities in my own community. Because how can you create resource and opportunity in the community if you don't have it yourself? You know, it's a difficult thing to do, you know, and that's that's uh, my issue, I think, with a lot of the... Yeah, uh -huh. you, yeah. that money brings influence, right? That right. money brings branding. Right. That money brings the freedom to do these things, right? And by the way, no, even if I went to Oxford or Harvard, discovered these drugs and so forth, even if I did or not win Nobel Prizes, at the end of the day, money talks. And money talks in so many different ways. And I'm telling you as a guy from the, from the hood to here, to done so many things, education is important. It is. And it gives you a sense of respect, the way of thinking and so forth. Mm -hmm. But try to go after the money and to utilize it in a way that empowers the people around you and your, uh, on your communities and to give back. That's what I try to do. Um, and that's always helped me to get more money, right? Um, yeah. So that's important that people from our background understand that. All right, yeah. So, okay. So now I want to kind of go back to the story. So, of course, you know, you mentioned you come from humble beginnings. You come from a refugee situation and then into a working class community, which I think is the story of a lot of uh, in America, too, as well. Is the, the story of the immigrant is something like that. It's like you come into you know, the country, and then you're probably thrown into, like, the working-class community, and then, you know, that, that is kind of like a culture shock for a lot of people, 
So I want to know for you, you know, you mentioned you didn't see a lot of people like yourself, for example. Uh, and and uh, I'm, I'm sure that played some psychological effect, but how, how aware were you of the situation? You know, you mentioned that you were always able to uh, fit in, for lack of better terms, but really it was more like you had heart. You know, you were a, a humble person from what it sounds like. So what, what enabled that humility, do you think? I think the journey itself, and also I say if life is a disease, philosophy is medicine. Sometimes you can't physically certain things, but if you sit down and think of the opportunities and what you have and what you're not, you've got everything you need. It's just the perception of others that changes your perception. So you need to have your own perception and put that out and say, this is my perception, this is who I am, this is how I carry myself, and I'm going all in, right? Um, and that gives you enough confidence to do major things. Because you can't change the li cards life gives you, but I say you can make your own game, right? If an ace or king is good in one game, and you only got a two or three, hey, I'm going to go to the corner, make my own game, and, 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 and win at that. And people like that, even if you're from a rich background, poor background, People like people who are nice, who are trying to work hard, who are ambitious, and who are going to help people. You know, at Oxford, I was also the president uh, because I believe that I just like to help people and talk to people. I just stopped and talked to everyone. And, and, and that's very important because you see how people everywhere fit into one. And then you have a big universal picture as well. So understand life is short. Understand that you want to do, I want to do everything in my lifetime. Um, and just, you know, be humble and just appreciate everyone around you. And the small people matter and the big people matter as well. Right. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, the going through life with some duality is important as well, of like recognizing, you know, sometimes people get into the habit of, of being too, uh, not being, you know, like Bruce Lee says, be like water. But some people get too stuck in being one thing and, and, and they confuse that with principle saying, oh, no, no, I'm I'm this and that's my principle. But it's like, well, the principle is the principle and the actions and the thoughts and everything that comes from the principle is is just an expression of it. But there's different ways to express that same principle. Humility comes in many different ways. It can come through charity, but it can also come through just creating opportunity. So it's like, I mean, there's a lot of ways to be humble. You don't have to be uh somebody who you know like they say nice guys finish last it's like well yeah i guess being humble doesn't always mean you're going to be first but it means you're humble so you should stick to that versus like yeah. trying to you know but um but i think that's I, an I, interesting point yeah i think also particularly again is a, uh, like the money thing we've been taught to be nice and mm. at the end of the day ego is actually important uh, i always say the ego is the skin identity is the clothes right so the ego is who you are the skin you can't change that right and you got to utilize that in settings. Like if you go into high power meetings, the ego has to come up because we're, you're high power people. Don't think you're from the hood. Like I belong here. I'm going to do this. And then after the meeting's finished, you put back on your humble clothes and just get on with it. Right? So identity is very important. So sometimes you can't be hood everywhere. You can't be educated everywhere. And you have to change yourself and be ad adaptable and not stay the same principles. I also say, you know, life is not black and white choices. It's the ability to operate in the gray. And you've got to op operate in the gray because the more further you go up, the harder the choices are. And that's why people get paid and get rewarded because they're taking risks in hard situations and dealing with harder questions. 
So that's very important to remember as well, uh, yeah. and people to get that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think yeah. I, someone said once, like you know, it's like life is a human is both the student and the teacher at any given moment. So it's like you gotta be open ears, but also to those who ask for counsel, you gotta be willing to counsel as well, or those that you know seek counsel. But you also gotta recognize that there's gonna be times in your life where you'll need to be counseled, no, no matter how wise or whatever you think you are like you can learn a lot from a yeah. co anybody you know like you mentioned just having conversations with everyday people you may think that only people who are smarter than you objectively can teach you but that's not the case at all because there's not only objective knowledge in the world there's also um the subconscious knowledge of of understanding the self and then it's like well somebody can teach you a lot about understanding the self being very poor actually you know, that was the theme of, of Viktor Frankl's, uh, the Gulag, yes. I mean, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, excuse me, was the, you know, it's like what the circumstance is one thing, but your attitude towards the circumstances is, is your, what you're in control of. So, you know, that's and, the way. And, and also it's important, right, um, particularly from uh, people from our background, there's no class, uh, rich or poor, black or white, right? There's just the species and just luck who you're born into. Go, get around rich people. Get around people who are better than you. Get around people who are smarter than you. I always try to do that. And don't think you're indifferent or less. Just think that opportunities and probabilities are coming towards your way, right? And don't class people here or there. And don't class, there's a class warfare, I'm poor. I'm there, because it comes into your head. Because a lot of rich people have helped me. A lot of different people from different backgrounds have helped me because they identify someone that is not playing that game of class warfare or rich versus poor, right? And that's very important uh, because it allows you to be universal and then it allows you to fit in as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think that's helped me across the world and adapting across the world and dip in different classes and systems as well. Right. Yeah, hopefully the future is a lot brighter. So as you move through the... Uh, you're moving through, you know, your adult life. You're going through. You, you see, how did how did the university look to you? Like, I want to know what what was your mentality? Like, did it was it like the the castle at the top of the hill to you, or was it just like somewhere to go? What what was? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Every time I hit a big goal, um, I'm like, okay, cool. For me, right? Okay, I went to Oxford. I went to Harvard. Okay, I had this story. What next? Right. Mm. The journey changes you. The processes change you. The achievements are just accolades at the end of the day, right? But it's the process and the journey, right? And sometimes I say success is about looking back and say, hey, why did it take, take so long? Because you reached a new mindset at the end of the day, right? So I look back and say, okay, I've done all that. Oh, my God, I wish I'd done this and that because I could have been quicker. Right. For me, I want to attack life like that lion in the African Sahara, like the uh, plains, right? Attack it quick, fast, get on with it, and get on to the next prey. Uh, and that's important as well. Um, and don't get stuck on the end goal. Mm. Uh, okay, cool. I've done it. That's what next? What next? What next? What next? How can I grow? How can I take more risks? Yeah, no, I think that's I would, that, that was going to be my next question because that's what it seems. You know, it's like it's interesting because like for some people that come from uh, like the working class, for example, or maybe uh, maybe anybody really. But just knowing people around me growing up, it was like if you get to Harvard, it's like, well, 
what then? You know, a lot of people don't have the what then. It's like they think, or I think that's just a lot of the perception is a goal is to be met and then you'll be happy. But it's like, well, no, because once you get it, then you're going to be unhappy because now you don't have nothing to chase after. So you're going to need something else to chase after. So it's like, well, again, and then that's what you characterize as the chase, you know, as the what's next, what's next, what's next. You know, it's because, uh, and I think from an artist's perspective, it's like the idea of perfectionism. You know, if you get too caught up on one idea, then it's going to stop you from the next 20 ideas that you have. You need to get this idea out and then just get on to the next 20 ideas because you have those 20 ideas waiting for you. You know, yeah. so it's like... I, I, uh-huh. I agree with that. And I have a very weird way of looking at it. And I say, life is about how many, how big my next failure is going to be. I think that's very important as well. I think that's uh, its ability to say, hey, I've done this and I've done this and how big that next failure is going to be is very important uh, because sometimes like you take risks and then you will take bigger risk and bigger risk that's the growth stage and that's how you how you actually win in life mm, that is an interesting perspective that's i i i think that's how I, that's how you win because i i because there's only so much you can do and then just stay cool and level at the moment i can't take 100 million dollar risks but there's people who are taking those risks because they're just going to the next level, right? And I'm like, how can I take that bigger risk? If I take that, I can take a billion dollar risk. And it sounds crazy if you're from the hood, but that's what it is because you're taking risks to take bigger risks and you're taking a failure to take bigger failures. That's why I believe life is about. Yeah, no, I think, here, I, I feel like I've thought about that, but I thought about it differently. Let me see. But but that's interesting because it's like that's that's like education, right? You need to you need to explain success in a lot of different ways, just like you need to explain math in a lot of different ways, because not everybody gets math. If you just write the numbers down, not everybody gets success. If you say start a business, get rich, it's like that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. It's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Like start a bit. Like, what does that even mean? It's like, well, I don't even get the concept to begin with, you know, but it's like, yeah, that's a good way to say it. It's like. It's like some people are want to be a movie star, let's say, right? But they only have the resources and the budget for a 15-second film. It's like, well, start with 15-second films. Like, that's your risk. It's like the, making a 15-second film where you might look stupid is about as risky as you could go. But it's also showing people your ambition to become an actor. It's like, well, at least he's putting out 15-second films every Absolutely. day. And it's like, well, he's taking that risk. And then next thing you know, somebody might catch on to that. Or you might build an audience. And now you're like, well, now I have the resources for the 30 seconds. And then it's like, you know, the risk gets bigger. There's more chance for error. But there's also a bigger reward, you know, risk versus reward. So, I, I mean, that's an interesting perspective. And I think I also have a, say, I have a saying that risk is not reward. Risk plus speed mm-hmm. equals reward plus confidence. Mm-hmm. The quicker you take the risk, the rewards might come, but the quicker your confidence gains. Mm, for sure. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? Like the thing that stopped, you know, what's like, it's this crazy paradox in that decision where it's like, what will stop somebody is that they're scared to destroy their confidence by being yeah. rejected. But it's like, well, your confidence is already destroyed at that point because it yeah. doesn't exist I, I, yet. Face you the know? rejections. If you're a male, ask that girl out. If you want to get to that yeah. university, face it. Face it. Because I also have another say. I just realized on the journey, right? A rejection is a misconceived perception. Someone's seen you wrong way around. It's just a perception game. So you have to now go fix that perception, either grades, either way the looks, 
or whatever, right? And just try again and again. Um, because then people like, then eventually the perception and reality will match and then you hit your goal. Um, yeah. I think that's very important as well. Right. And in that way, which is interesting that you bring that up, it's like, well, maybe you just don't know how to portray yourself the way you want to even yet. It's like you think, it's like, of course, well, you want to go out and you want all the girls to be like, oh, that guy's handsome. And no, oh, they, you know, you want that attention, but you don't really know how to be that yet. You think you know because you want it, but it's like, it's just like saying, Anybody could be a scientist. It's like, well, uh, yes, in your imagination, you can imagine that you want to be a scientist one day, but there is work to be put in to get into that circumstance. And it's the same with society. It's like there's no entitlement to be any position in society. You have to earn yourself into that position. You have to make it very clear what your intentions are. And then the other half is the aspect that, well, people have to accept it. And it's like, well, what are people likely to accept? They're likely to accept people with confidence, people that they can see that are certain in what they believe rather than people that are flimsy. It's like for a while we kind of put our faith into things that were uncertain and now you see that people are starting to wake up to it where they're like, well, you know, I kind of prefer somebody who's honest with me than somebody who's going to lie and then I see the result of the lie later. It's like, well, just be honest with people and then they'll get the most out of everything, you know? Yeah, and that's, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, so you go into, you know, the education aspect and... uh you mentioned being around these other people, you know, obviously you all come from different backgrounds and, and, you know, maybe different places, but you're all here in a university, right? So at, regardless of where you came from, now you're in the same circumstance. So again, you mentioned, you know, that's the new beginning mentality where it's like, now you've got to master the art of being the student at Oxford, the stu student at Harvard. So what was, what did that do for your confidence? Like, how did that help you transition into like the corporate world of being around people? Um, yeah, the, the branding helps, but what helps me most is allowed me to change. It's very important if you're co coming from our backgrounds, the way you speak, the way you dress, the way you are, your body language, your mannerisms is all important. And those little things all like come together and then come together in a very uh, big way, right? So that's very important. And also what's important is that you realize that people are all playing a class warfare or people all have insecurities. So you have to go in and understand what they are, help people, no matter what background. And that gives you a professional kind of outlook as well saying, Hey, I can, I can, I can do much things as well uh, with anyone. If, if you get along with anyone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So, so you you mentioned the first business as well. You branding business development. What about business development do you think was, your, that made it your calling? Like, what was it about it, or what trait that you possessed that you think that made you successful at that career? Oh, uh, when I switched in, it's, uh, I tell kids and uh, people who want to push careers, listen to your gut, right? Just because now you wear a lab coat, you're a scientist, or you're, you're driving a truck, or you're working in Tesco's, I've done all those things, working in bar, it doesn't mean that's who you are, right? right? Your gut will say, go here. So I was a scientist, I'm like, then go to business development. Business development, it came back to my 16-year-old self and the hustle, <laughs> and the hustle I was doing, and I was like, yeah. hey, that's the sales, that's the opportunity, we can go here, we can go there, um, so we can buy that company. It's just a hustler's mentality from a kid's age, the sales game, the rejections and keep going all those things helped me as well and also incorporate the team management leadership because then i saw 
so many people from rich backgrounds, from poor backgrounds, educated, uneducated around the world that allowed me to be a corporate leader as well. So all those things helped me succeed in business development. And what what advice, if any, would you have for people that um, may be discouraged from the corporate environment because of, you know, a lot of, I think, I think it's important for people to do their own research, first of all, so let me make that clear. But I think the connotation of, like, corporate work is like, oh, it's soulless, it's, it's empty, it's all this thing, you know, it's like, oh, it's a bad thing. And that might discourage a possible entrepreneur, but could you offer, like, some of the positive aspects of, of having that career in business? Yeah, sure. If you, I mean, corporate careers, a lot of people succeed and make good money out of it. It gives you structure, it gives you discipline, it gives you a sense of a larger organization. You can have career perspectives and ladders. Some people are not very good with ambiguity. Businesses and running entrepreneurship and running your own business is all about ambiguity and risk appetite, right? Some people are not good at it. And the corporate structure gives you structure to go up here, right? And that's perfectly fine. But once I found is after a certain level, I wanted to be my own boss. Um, I wanted to make the decisions. I wanted to have financial freedom and also have the ability to pick and choose on what I want to do. And the corporate structure might not do that, but it's a very good setting for young people from our background to learn um, structure, robustness, how to go up the ladder, how to work with people from different backgrounds and settings and stuff. So it's actually quite good. And also you learn a model to replicate for your own business on a smaller scale. And then you learn how to scale it up as well. So it's important um, to not to listen to traditional norms and try certain things out. Yeah, right. Find out for yourself, in other words. Um, and you know, I think that goes with the gut feeling thing. You know, it's like, hey, if you if you have a career interest or, or if you have a hobby interest or something and it's like maybe it's not popular, it's not cool with the people you hang around, well, then maybe you need to change who you're hanging around. Maybe you need to hang around the people that actually like the things that you like instead of forcing your interests to the people that you're around because then you're just going to be miserable because it's like, well, you're with people that you convinced yourself that you like, but you're doing things that you dislike. So it's like if you can't share that with the people you're around, then, again, change of setting. That's that's something that we need to emphasize, especially for people. I think you fall into peer pressure, you get stuck in a circumstance, you know, and you got to have the willpower to to move on, I think, from, from circumstances. Uh, so what I want to ask about next, because you mentioned going into the development and then you mentioned moving to China. And I, and I want to know, because you have um, you have three experience in business, it seems, in three different countries, you know. So, I mean, that's pretty valuable insight, I would think. And, and I would like to know about that because there's an interesting dynamic between business around the world. But the relation isn't so clear. Like what? So I would like to know from your perspective of being a businessman, what are some of the key differences? Would you say in the economy of building a business of the market within? Uh, let's start in chronological order. So like where your homeland, you know, in the UK, what was what are the bus- some of the business laws, the regulations, things like that, just general stuff, and then China and then the US and and compare and contrast and things like that. How, how would you compare? Yeah, so the UK well? is very. Um free market area uh, it's got a bit harder with brexit and you know when we came out the european union taxes high but the uk is probably more i hate to say it's not racist but it's very classist uh, there's certain things um, you need to break into a ceiling of certain places to get contracts and stuff and you got to work hard but it's fair china is the wild wild west but there's very good um, structures in place there 
and people but it's more about who you know and you know what family you know and so forth and it, the business ethics we'll call it ruthless but it's actually complementary there right um and they're quite cutthroat but they're quite fair in certain areas as well in the u.s is a mixture of both um high power corporates will do what it takes to do, get it done but with laws and legal ethics and so forth so mm -hmm. it's a big mixture i might be generalizing sorry if i'm offending anyone but that's one of my experiences and europe is more lax more more structure more liberal thinking much more robust in law as well so that's very important but hey i'm gonna say this out corruption exists everywhere um you know the game exists everywhere uh you gotta learn to play the game and you gotta understand what you can do and with what you can't do um and that's very important yeah i think it's important definitely and I, I, like that's i mean we encourage the honesty you know i mean and to anybody that would get offended by somebody describing a system objectively is like well then you got to realize that you, you you may be just trying to be offended at that point because that's what i'm asking because it's valuable information you know to understand and not in some like us versus them mentality it's just it, you, you really got to understand if because in the future right because uh we the future is going to come and we are going to move into the future so the future is either going to be global division or global unity so yeah. we've got to understand how the markets operate separately how they operate similarly and what what's what are some of the core principles of business globally right it's like well prosperity is number one right the reason that business is in place at all is to create economic prosperity within the region the methods yeah. by which it's achieved can be debated but it's like that's the that's the principle of a developing nation you know or like in china is a a, a nation that is leading the world in exports you know so it's like that's the reality so again you know that's why i asked because because in america's uh specifically all right i got you so in america specifically you know there is this uh attitude of like you know uh a negative attitude towards outsourcing for example but i think that there you know you got to understand why it happens you know and it's like well if the regulations are limiting to the market then obviously there needs to be a change in the regulation if it's too limiting and overbearing so you got to be aware of what the effect has you know but uh i agree with that and also i think um what's important for us and for our background of people to succeed in this place is to say hey come what may i can adapt and do what it takes right for and sure. you have sheer ambition and passion to do it uh, and you got to get along with people uh, so, you know you can't control the markets or going to war or the politicians or whatnot you can only control your thoughts and the way you're perceived by others right and that's very important for kids or people from our background to understand that you know sometimes we because we think with certain level with us versus them revolution and stuff no it's not when you go up you become the system you are the system you are everything everyone's one right so you got to work with that and learn how to work with that and that's very important and not don't fight it and don't fight it and don't have a mentality of identification because you're from somewhere you're going somewhere you're everything and you got to learn to adapt and actually manage people as well right yeah so again thank you for sharing the wisdom i just want to ask real quick before we get to the end of the podcast here i just want to end on three questions 
Um, usually we do seven, but we'll just do three for the second oh, time. We can do seven. We can do part two, man. I want to do part two. There's yeah, so much sure. I, can, I, I can tell. Uh, oh, I know. I, about. Yeah, I know for sure. And, and I want to get into it, but I just wanted to do the general today just to kind of introduce okay. you to the audience. But yeah, I mean, uh, so let's just do number one. What motivates you every day to get out of bed? I, I refuse to die mediocre. I want to die the greatest polymath and also the greatest dropout of all time. <laughs> I want to inspire a kid in South L.A., to a kid in a village in Sri Lanka, to a kid in Africa uh, to do well. Because I've taken a girl from Lucknow village in India to Cambridge. I've taken a girl from Midwest to Oxford. I've taken a guy from South Africa to a Rhodes Scholarship Oxford. I've built people from PhDs to businesses, built them into uh, associate directors at business. It's about giving and making people better. Uh, it, I say legacy is not who you or what you leave behind is who you what you leave behind to make a greater legacy than you if yeah. you can get those people to inspire and if i can set that example I, I i it motivates me every day to wake up and go do it right yeah and i mean as somebody who's also trying to do a similar mission you know and i think people have to recognize that the fight for good is one fight it's not a million different fights we're all doing the same thing we, we all have different methods and it's hard for us to all come to a similar understanding sometimes, but the fight is all the same. So, again, we have to give people flowers when they do that. So, again, you know, just hearing your story is inspirational. But then, you know, it seems to me that only somebody who has really that understanding can provide that type of opportunity. And that's why we need to encourage those around us and not create that idea of us versus them, because that is a limiting mentality. You know, and it's like, uh, even though maybe the sentiment is, well, we want more success for our people. Yes, that's that's a common sense sentiment. We want more prosperity. But shaking your fist at people and, and trying to, again, like what we started with, it's like you don't get up by pulling people down. You get up by bringing people up. You know, we all come up together. It's like I take two steps up and then I pull you up two steps and then you might take the it's like, you know, it's a gradual climb as a community. And again, it's like. That's that's life, you know. It's in some way. So yeah. So I mean, commend you for that, and and um, for sure. I mean, that's some noble work that you got going on there. Uh, but yeah. So the second question. Uh, let me see. We got goals. What are some of your short-term or long-term goals that you could share with us? Long-term goal is uh, I want the company to be a trillion-dollar uh, revenue company. Go big. Go hard. If your goals are not your goals in life and your company goals are directly proportionate to your self-esteem and confidence. If you're confident and your self-esteem is high, your goals are going to be high. Go hard because you will never surpass your biggest goal. I want a trillion dollar company when I die. I want my company to be in a position to mine asteroids and get new raw materials and have new products. Fuck it, I said it and I'm, yeah. I'm going to hit those big goals. Short-term goals, are it's going to be 100 million revenue per year. Um, and let's see how we can do that um, and also scale globally as well. And a midterm is to have leadership institutes to inspire the next generation. Uh, hopefully we can get a lot more people doing some extraordinary things. And I'd be very happy if, if, if I can do so and set the foundations financially to help people. Yeah. Dope. Um, all right. So the last two questions. The deepest questions. Uh, the first one is, what do you love? Oh, I love my family. Um, um, that's number one. Uh, and I love to help and serve people. 
and I love to question the system. Sorry, three loves, but those those are the three loves. That's that's good. Um, I think that's important. Question the system, you know. Question the system. I forgot who said the quote where it's like, uh, whenever your opinion becomes popular, you should start questioning it. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's like that's just a good thing to do. Like, why not question it? And the last question, uh, the shortest question, but sometimes the deepest question and the hardest to answer. Pradeep, what are you afraid of? Oh, it's a great question. I, I'm afraid of dying mediocre. I do not want to die mediocre. I just don't want a normal life. I want everything in my life. I'm not going to be selfish and say, I'm going to leave this so my kids can achieve this. No, it's their life. I don't have any kids yet, but I will. But I refuse to die mediocre. I'm scared to die mediocre. And I'm scared to die without ambition. I want to die ambitious because I've got so many other things to accomplish. Um, so that's my greatest fear, that I haven't taken enough risks. Um, uh, and I, I want to die great, doing great things. Powerful message. Uh, but yeah, once again, um, I want to say thank you to Pradeep for coming on with us and, and sharing his wisdom and sharing his story and, and just to hear it coming from somebody who comes from a similar community and similar circumstances is inspiring to myself and hopefully inspiring to the audience. And hopefully you guys got some wisdom out of this. Um, but Pradeep, before we sign off, you want to say any last words to the people? Yeah, stay strong, guys, kids. Dream big, bigger than anything ever before. Network hard. Um, get your goals in line. You know, I always say you got to be a yogi on the journey, a Navy SEAL in practic practical execution, and everything in between. Be Forrest Gump. Uh, <laughs> stay childish, stay foolish, and just keep running and just keep falling and keep keep just keep keep, keep rejecting and keep going. And I'm here, by the way, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, whatever. If you want to hit me up, let me know. And Rao, I want to do a second part two because I think we've got many more things to discuss. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure you'll be on the podcast of repeating guests. And, and again, I enjoy having you on. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And, and on that note, folks, uh, as always, guys, you know, once again, thank you to Pradeep for being here with us. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, um, be safe, guys. Take care and peace. Peace. Take care.